All right, guys, we're back with one of my favorite individuals of all time. Um, you may know him as Lucifer from Supernatural or uh, Jacob from Lost, uh, now in American Rust, um, and then also from 13 Reasons uh, Why, Mr. Mark Melagrino, what's going on? And uh, thank you for joining me at Springfield Comic-Con 2022. Yay! Yay! Thanks, for Thanks for having me. Yeah, maybe next year, like we like we talked about uh, backstage. Maybe uh, next year we could get you to come in and and actually do the convention. I would love that. Thank you. I think what happened with um, this convention, and even the reason they they reached out to me was because um, it got delayed due to the pandemic. Um, mm. So some of the talent and um, vendors uh, ended up having to drop <coughs> out. So. Mm. Uh, it was supposed to be a two-day thing. Now it's only a one-day. So, um, you know, this is I think this is a great way to incorporate other guests. Uh, so thank you so much for joining me. Um, today we'll be talking a little bit about two of your roles. Um, Supernatural is widely considered one of the biggest, if not the biggest, drama, um, scripted drama, uh, that ran on television. Um, you played a huge role in that show in the sense of being the villain that the show worked up to. And a lot of people don't know that the, the series was supposed to end after you and your arc. Yeah, the series had a, a five-season arc, um, and Lucifer was supposed to bring on the apocalypse, and kabang, that was, that was going to be the finale of the show. But... Um, you know, the, the, the wonderful thing about, uh, I think, the sci-fi horror genre is how, how heavily the fans can impact um, storytelling and narrative, right? And so I think the fans wanted more, and uh, CW and Warner Brothers uh, stepped up to the plate and gave them, a, what, 10 more seasons. <laughs> so, so many more seasons, it wasn't even funny. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think it, I think, I think, it, I think it has, um, it's on record that Supernatural is probably the most popular sci fi, um, horror show on the CW. Yes. Yes. yes on the CW. Um, but e like fans, even fans of the show, uh, and non fans of the show can agree that. Um, the fan base of Supernatural is unlike any other. Um, it's like one collective mind of just love. Because, like, you got the Star Wars fandom, you got the Marvel fandom, you got the DC fandom, but there's factions. The Supernatural okay. fandom is all one. They are one okay. loving community. So Okay, okay. Uh, I, I, yeah. I, 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 I could be the contrarian in the room here, if you don't mind. Okay. Yeah. Please be I, a contrarian. I think for sure the the vast majority of the supernatural fandom is about love, um, uh, but there is, but there are factions. There are ship factions within the community that are very passionate. Um, you know, like like any group of people or any family, there's there's hierarchies of power that develop within them, and some of these are are not so benevolent, uh, and and a great deal are. I think our communities is unique in that we we do bond together as a cast and as a fan base and we do things for charity on on a pretty wide scale i think misha collins sort of had, had sort of initiated that in the community and and then jared and jensen followed suit and and i did too and we certainly um we certainly 
have a a more cohesive bond than other fan bases uh, but the passions and the differences are very much there i right. i ha- i happen to be a lightning rod for some of those passions and differences um uh, just because i'm so outspoken and you are I- yes <laughs> I keep keep telling myself to shut up, but I can't. I think we live in a day and age where you have to speak your truth um, and and you have to speak truth to power. And I know that's a bit of a cliche, but um, there are are groups of people that are emboldened by the violence they can commit against others on social media. So you, I think you have to stand up to them and not cow. And that makes me a lightning rod for a lot of controversy within the fandom, but I embrace it, man. I'm Lucifer. Um, yes. The light bring the light bringer the the redheaded stepchild of supernatural and you know so be it. It's so literally it. now that you I I didn't even think about it that way until now. But just now that you just said that, he is Lucifer. He's supposed to do this. Like it fits your, you, you it fits your character so well to be the one that would que- to to stand up against what society considers norm. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Lucifer. Luc- Lucifer was the first rebel against arbitrary authority. He was exactly. the pro- he was the supernatural Prometheus, right? And so yes. he he should stand up and take the heat, just like uh, just like Lucifer did. Yes, I love that. I'm like, I'm gonna use. I can't. I can't wait to clip that soundbite just and use that alone. That's it. Um, but <laughs> can you tell us about a defining moment? Uh, so something like, you know, maybe a moment um, about how you approached acting um, and how your style changed through the years. So maybe a moment where, you know, you. you the way you went about things changed, right? Uh, and how you did that, you know, how you, how your style has adapted over the years. That was yeah, like I, such a bad, 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 I get it. bad I get, I get the thing. formulation. Uh, I don't yeah. know that I can distill it down to one moment, you know, because changes occur with humans over time, right? And it's an accumulation of moments that makes you change. And it's like suddenly you realize you're not doing the same things that you were before. You're you're a little bit different, um, and you have to really sort of go backwards and reassemble the parts of history to figure out what exactly happened. But I would say that early on, you know, I learned a technique, an approach to acting called the Meisner technique, which, which I think is a pristine approach to acting. It's, it's brilliant. Some people who are going to be watching this have actually sat in on my classes and watched them and see see my approach to acting. Uh, I think when you're young, um, you forget that the technique is is a tool that is supposed to help you realize the truth. And it becomes an end unto itself as opposed to a means to getting somewhere. And when you're young, you wear your technique on your sleeve. You try too hard. I think Paul Newman even said that. Paul Newman was asked what when he looks back at his early work, what does he see? He says, I see an actor trying too hard. And he's he's a legendary, legendary actor who mm-hmm. who has much to teach us in everything that he's done, even his early work that he would probably look at and say he was working too hard. So yeah, I think I think it's about it's about the it becoming more Bruce Lee-ish, right? You become less about the style and more about what needs to be done. Right. And so you're, you, I adapt. My technique becomes the no technique of, of you know, um, just knowing what I'm doing, how I feel about it, and then letting, letting things play out improvisationally from there. Right, right. 
that I think that's a beautiful answer. And I didn't, I didn't even know that you did classes. Yeah, I taught, I taught for, uh, I don't know, 16 years at Playhouse West in the Valley in Studio City. I think it's one of the best acting schools in the country, uh, but definitely on the West Coast. And, and now my wife has um, started a school in Paris called, uh, called wait, I, I don't want to confuse it with another school there, so I, I have to remember. It's um, Playhouse Paris. Um, and all of our students are working. So what we're doing over there is pretty great. So I go over there, you know, for a month, two months, and I help her teach. I work with the students. I get up on stage with them. I do scenes with them. I do exercises. I, I play this thing. Oh, my God, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I figure, you know, most teachers don't do that. And, and, and I think they get to see, um, you know, a, a, an image is worth a a thousand words, right? And when they see somebody up there practicing the technique the way it should be, not to toot, toot my own horn, but um, then they they can mimic that immediately. They 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 can avoid a lot of problems and pitfalls that the that you'll have growing into something, right? As a young right. person, you know, taking things too literally or 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 trying too hard, and they can see um, they can see the end, and that helps them. Yeah. I think in, in the middle part. So they're all working. I mean, all these students are working. Uh, Meisner is a, is a boom in, in Paris and France. I think they need that approach to work and it's, it's, it's going to be a very successful uh, enterprise for my wife. So I'm proud of it. Right. That's, that's a, no, that's amazing. Um, I, I got, I would love to go there. Um, so your version of Lucifer is, uh, what I would consider the golden standard for anything that comes after, right? So anything that comes after, you're the golden standard of Lucifer, right? How did you. you how did you approach getting into the head of that entity most commonly associated with pure evil? Yeah, uh, well, the writers do a lot of work for you. Um, so, you yeah. Just, yeah. so you just have to do sort of what the writers suggest. Um, but I think one of the keys to playing any villain is to not think of the villain as the villain, but to think of them as somebody who um, believes in what they're fighting for and is right in what they're fighting for. And with Lucifer, I don't think I have to probe the depths too much to um, to find that. In in from my perspective, he was he's definitely the most malign character in in history, but also the most undeserving of that reputation. Uh, because of what, the things that he's guilty for, um, disobeying God, which in my mind is um, not not going along with arbitrary authority, which I think is a virtue. Uh, he's responsible, according to biblical texts, for the fall of mankind from grace. So they went from one state to a fallen state. And, and that, in turn, is responsible for the way the world is today and the way human beings have to get values in the world today, all of which I think are actually good. Lucifer gave yep. us our moral sense. We not, we knew the difference between right and wrong because of Lucifer. And that changed the world from one where you, you have to, you get value spontaneously to one where you have to work for them. But work, productive work, I think is, you know, a great deal of the meaning of human life. And so as far as I'm concerned, Lucifer gave us moral sense and meaning he rebelled against arbitrary authority and he fought for those virtues against, against all odds. Um, 
and faced histor a, a, a deep historical maligning for his effort. Uh, and that requires a giant of a, of a being. So um, I just faced him as uh, I, I just faced him as a, a guy who had a, a real uh, issue of justice that he was pursuing. And the, the, the fortunate thing about supernatural is it's not. Yeah, the, the monsters are, are supernatural and, and, and the universe is, is big, you know, and it incorporates God and angels and all these celestial beings. But in the end, it's really a family squabble, right? It's about family dynamics, loyalty, love, brotherhood, things that I think we can all identify with. So I don't have to imagine what it's like to be this ethereal being people know as lucifer i just have to imagine what it's like to be a son who's been rejected by his father a brother who's been rejected by his family and who lives outside of you know outside the community that he would like to be inside of and i think a lot of us especially fans of supernatural understand what that's like i mean i went to high school i know what it's like to be on the outside you know i i know what it's like to be uh the the one that's not popular and and wanting very badly yeah. to be yeah. in there but at the same time feeling a sense of injustice at being rejected for no good reason i think we all can understand that and i think that's what i think those are the values that people relate to when they when they see lucifer right and and the whole the whole all, the 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 largest theme in supernatural was family um, correlation between, you know, Sam and Dean and Michael and Lucifer, and then, you know, um, John Winchester and God, right? Those parallels were ju just, they, they were so beautifully done. And, and, you know, I, I just, I can't, this show, I, I don't know if I've ever said it, but you know, this show was with me at my lowest points. This show is with me at some of my worst moments. And, you know, I'd come home and, and sit and be able to, to watch Supernatural and, you know, see you and, and Jensen and Jared and, and Misha and feel normal for a while. Like, yeah, and get lost in this. So I don't know if you guys know just what you created um, because you didn't just create a show. You created... Um, just this 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 thing that i can't explain like it's not just a, a tv show it's it's more for me uh and, and for a lot of us so i mean one question i've always wanted do you think that lucifer is still alive in the supernatural world do you think that he yeah. somehow yeah yeah no, yeah you can't you can't kill lucifer <laughs> He's 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 an eternal being, you know. He doesn't have that option that that, that we have of dying. So yeah, I think he's yeah. I think he's still around. All right, he's still out there. He's just, he over the fifth the whatever ten years because yeah, season four or five yeah. So over the ten years of messing with the with the Winchesters, he was like, you know what, I'm gonna lay low for a while, especially because Jack's out there is uh, uh, playing God. <laughs> A, be, a, be, a better god than his grandfather that's for sure much better um as time goes by has your willingness to accept roles changed um you know are you more selective in the characters that you'll play uh this is probably a mistake uh career-wise but uh i'm not that selective um 
because I like keeping the lights on and putting bread and onions on the table. So I, if somebody wants me to work, uh, I am grateful for the opportunity to uh, ply my trade. So I tend to be much less choosy than, than others uh, about that, that stuff. But, you know, plus I have a, I have a, I have an orient philosophical orientation to the world that is really outside, outside the, the mainstream. And so if I were to simply obey those, those principles, I probably wouldn't work much at all because the culture doesn't necessarily reflect my notions of beauty or goodness or virtue. And, um, and right. so, uh, so maybe I have less integrity than a guy like Sidney Poitier, who was very aware of his, position in the world and his status and his race and how the roles he took affected all of those, uh, all of that. And um, he, he never took a role that diminished him as a human being or made him uh, someone not to look up to. I think he always took the the hero's side, which is very laudable. I mean, you know, he's, he's somebody to look up to, but I couldn't afford to do that. So I have to, I have to make, you know, I have to, I have to justify guys like Paul and Dexter. Right. And, yeah. Um, yeah. It would not be my preference. It wouldn't be my preference to play somebody as unheroic as that. Um, I have to find the the hero in a guy like that. And it's, it's not very easy sometimes. Right. But I mean, I, the roles that you, I, I don't know. I, I guess for me, I, I think that you choose roles that that suit you well, and that they test your they they test your abilities in different ways. Um, you know, much like a rubber band ball. Um, you know, you're 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 not just being stretched one way. You're you're constantly expanding from all sides, and and I think that is a test of a true true um, artist. Um, so from from your Thank time you. on the on the iconic, by the way. From your time on the iconic show Lost, how did you uh, connect and develop um, that character of Jacob? Because for most people, Jacob assume uh, or assume Jacob is God or a God-like figure. So we've spoken about that multiple times now. But you know, in 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 a sense, um, you know, the God figure or the authoritative figure. Um, How did you approach Jacob? Well, I, I got one directorial hint from Jack Bender uh, working in one of the first episodes. I think I was doing a flashback scene with uh, the young Kate. And I, I did something, and he said, that's it, Jesus the Carpenter. Uh, he didn't know it at the time, but that that image, that idea had a very deep impact on me because um, I was a Christian for a time in my life, and um, and the idea of uh, of Jesus the carpenter, not Jesus the God, but the Jesus in the, the the Gospel of Mark as opposed to the Gospel of John, that the, the not the ethereal being, but the the, bro- the brother, the the son, who uh, the rabbi, the teacher, that everybody could relate to. Um, that was the image that moved me to Christianity and, and uh, accidentally it was the image that Jack chose to um, describe Jacob. So that 
thought sort of guided me in in every scene wow wow yeah um lost i mean is still in my opinion the the pinnacle for shows like it you know it is uh there's not a person i've ever met that that doesn't know what lost is um you know so, so I, really quickly, I read the treatment for Lost. So, so when they were auditioning people for the pilot, I think I went up for the pilot. I don't, I don't remember which character I was supposed to play, but they gave me a twenty-three page treatment um, that was a flaming page turner. Like it was the most unbelievable thing I had ever read up to that point, and I knew that thing was going to be a killer hit. Um, so, really? oh yeah, it was, it was amazing. <laughs> so, I mean, cause most people thought, most people talk about Game of Thrones and, and how everybody was at, you know, everybody was at their house on their couch on Sunday night for Game of Thrones, but for mm. Lost, that Lost, Lost achieved that years before that. Every single person I knew, I forget what night it aired, maybe Monday or no, was it Wednesday? I can't remember. Lost. I don't. I don't remember what day. I don't. I don't remember. But I think it changed a couple times. But um, Lost. Every single person was always at their house watching Lost every single week, way before Game of Thrones. Um, so I mean, Lost is still. I mean, still people debate the ending and they debate the the philosophical aspects and you know all that kind of stuff from lost it's it's just an amazing show and and you've been a part of some of the most iconic thing iconic projects to ever grace um so i mean does that make you smile i mean does that help <laughs> you yeah it's great um it's it's a total accident uh but i'm 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 happy to be on the right side of fortune in those right. cases Right, because you, you know it was an it was it was not not necessarily supposed to happen that I was supposed to audition for Lost. You know, I almost didn't go to the audition because I had so many auditions that day, and I didn't want to uh, screw it up because it was a, the the scene was seven pages long. It was heavy dialogue. I didn't want to go in there and and do badly. And my wife said, "You don't understand. The show is so amazing. You have to go in and do this." And if if it hadn't been for my wife urging me on um, to do it, I probably would have said I am I have to pass because I'm too busy. Um, it ended up I ended up going in there and being on. You know, it's just in the pocket, and uh, I was fortunate for that. Imagine, um, yeah. Imagine if you. I mean, I I hope you wouldn't have kicked yourself in the ass about it. If you had had you sure. not had you sure. not done it, but like something something was at work there, because uh, you know, and and we can call it you know your wife's intuition about just just knowing the 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 thank God she knew what that show was because if not you know maybe some Joe Schmo number two would have played Jacob and uh, it wouldn't have been as good. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, uh, there, there's been a couple of times where I've had near misses in my life. Uh, uh, for example, um, I was in the final stages of a callback for a role. Uh, Lou DeJima was casting it. He's since passed away and Ridley Scott was directing the movie and it was a, 
it was a fantastic audition that went on for about an hour. Ridley Scott is one of the most fascinating oh, yeah. people I've, I've ever had the pleasure to work with. And I say work with because I, I, I also auditioned for um, uh, G.I. Jane and, and I got a part in that, but couldn't do it. Uh, but again, that was a long session with him and he's, he's just such a, an interesting human being to talk to. And of course, the iconic director. Uh, anyway, I was I was in the final stages for that movie, and this uh, little-known actor named Brad Pitt got it, and it was Thelma Louise, and it put him right over the top. And, you know, sometimes I think about that, if my life would have changed as profoundly as his life did um, had I gotten that part. And, and I don't know. I, I don't know, you know. Damn. Yeah. Well, we can't think about it that way. Yeah, we can't. He was think very about good. He was very good in the part, though. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, Brad, Brad, Brad would have made. Brad was going to do what he was going to do, no matter what. It whether it was that role or another one, and and I think that you did what you wanted to do, and and you became who I think. I think you're, I, in my opinion, I think you're the best version of yourself. Um, so, uh, you're you're not like what people. Because when people think of a, an actor or a Hollywood actor, especially, you know, someone of your caliber uh, who they know, um, they think that you're going to be, you know, kind of, I, I hate to say the word stupid, but um, uh, distant. That's, that's and, appropriate. But this stupid is appropriate. I, I, I see many actors say stupid things, but it's not, be, it's not because they're, it's not because they're stupid. It's because it's because they've been trained to um, to put their emotions ahead of their thinking right. and to use their emotions as a means of evaluating what's right and wrong and good and bad. And they come down a lot on the wrong side of history because they're using their emotions as a means of figuring out the world. Um, so it's their training that's getting in the way Uh more than anything, but it's also what makes them very spontaneous and interesting and good when they work. So exactly. um, give the actors a little bit of a break. They're just functioning. It's, it's a little superficial to just use your emotions to sort things out, but yeah, um, uh, you know, they are what they are. I accept them for what they are. Yeah. But thank you again so, so much for, for doing this. Um, and, you know, everyone at, at Springfield Comic Con is going to be super happy um, that, you know, that, that you joined me and, and that you took the time. Um, you know, is there anything that, uh, is, is there anything that you would like or you're, that you're working on now that you can talk about or, you know, anything in the future that's coming up that you want to um, tell people about? Well, we're, we're starting season two of American Rust, so I'm really happy to go back to Pittsburgh and yep. and see where season two takes this uh, this little town. And you're going uh, to invite me to the set, right? Yeah, you can come to the set. Hopefully the All COVID right. restrictions will be taken off so it'll be more like All a right. set than, you know, yeah, yeah, a place yeah. where everybody's sectioned off in groups and can't interact with each other. So right. and, uh, that would be nice. Yeah. That would be that would be great. Uh, I I that's one of my favorite parts of because I write for uh, a website as well. So those kind of set those set visits are the the most fun thing uh, in the world. You know, and Pittsburgh to... is a great town. I don't have you been to Pittsburgh? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Uh, Philadelphia, uh, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania is is so it, it's it's kind of like Massachusetts where you know there are the cities, but then there are the 
you know, the, the outskirts and the, mm. and the, the suburbs and, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I, I truly love it there. And, uh, yeah. So season two of, uh, Amer by the way, if you haven't seen American rust season one, um, you can check it out now. The link is in the description below. Um, but Mark, thank you so much for joining me and, um, yeah, we will see you guys very, very soon.